to this week's edition, this very special edition of the Sportsaholic Podcast. I'm Max Zucker. On the other side of the line is Mr. Sean Conway. Sean, it's our draft show, but before we get into all the picks and selections, I gotta say something first and foremost to the students in the state of Illinois. I'm sorry that the coronavirus has negatively affected us so much that... Yes, our governor, J.B. Pritzker, has canceled school for the remainder of the 2019-2020 academics uh, year. It is disappointing, obviously, as a teacher. I would love to get back into the classroom, but obviously, Sean Conway, more kids, the more germs spread, the bigger risk this is. So as a teacher, I'm right with the governor. We can't take any further risks, as sad as it is to close schools. My heart goes out to the children, but it is for the best. And, you know, look on the bright side. You get a five-month summer now, pretty much. I mean, you have to to do some classwork here and there. Here and there, you do some classwork until May. But, come on, five-month summer, that's pretty cool. Something I've been been trying to stay busy. I've been talking about, you know, what I've been doing during this quarantine and everything. One of the things, I took up a new hobby. I decided to start a, a little garden. I, I made a little one outside, but I haven't planned. You're a gardener now, huh? I, I do, I do. I, I built a little garden outside my front yard, and uh, I haven't planted anything you in plant? that yet. But I do have a little uh, little pots made of barley, wheat, and hops. So I'm growing a little beer garden right now. Of course. The, the, the one thing that would wheat. motivate you to garden. <laughs> the barley and wheat have already germinated. They're about a, an inch tall out of the... Uh, out of the the soil, but I did just learn actually today that the hops need to be grown in a dark area for the first like three to five days before they germinate, and that's probably why it hadn't started to grow because it was out in a, a sunny lit spot in the windowsill. So that's something I've been looking, uh, you know, I've been doing to keep occupied and along with working out and uh, you know walking the dogs a lot more. But uh, outside of that, I've been focusing a lot on this NFL draft. I'm excited. For this one, I know they're doing this year. They're doing it, you know, uh, online at home and everything to be to be quarantined. They're calling it a a virtual draft, and actually they're doing a mock draft today, uh, just to test the systems and everything. Where the owners and team personnel will all get up in their in their in their setups where they're where they're doing their draft at home and everything. But they'll instead of choosing. You know the the prospects right now. They're they're choosing NFL legends of you know years past to not give away you know hints on where they're going, but they're just testing the waters with this to see how it'll work today. And I figured, what better timing than to do our mock draft today, and then yes. later in the week we'll analyze the draft on Friday to uh, what the actual picks were, compare our our picks, and see you know the similarities and what actually happened. So it's a good week, draft week. Drafts on Thursday. But Max, for now, our draft starts right now. Bengals are on the clock. Who are you choosing? Wow. Uh, let's get into it right away. I like it, Sean. I like how you put that. And I think this is a very quick, you don't have to think about it, selection. I think everyone know that quarterback Joe Burrow from LSU will be the number one selection. I think people have known that probably for at least the last three, if not you know, five months now. 60 touchdowns. 
Uh, that's the most in any season. He had seven wins against top-ranked opponents uh, last year, Sean. From the eye test, too, I think this kid really is the real deal. Uh, his family's from Akron, Ohio. His girlfriend lives in Cincinnati. I mean, come on. I know it's cliche, but I mean, it, it, it's just too much of a perfect fit all around for Burrow, his family, you know, and the, you know, and for the Bengals going forward. Obviously, it's time to get, you know, time to move on from the lovely Dan- Andy Dalton era. I agree. It's time to reset the franchise, bring in a somewhat hometown kid. Like you said, he played high school ball in Ohio. He originally went to Ohio State before transferring to LSU, and he brings a dual threat potential to Cincinnati. Why wouldn't they take him? Obviously, if they don't, they are morons. Pick number one (laughs) in the books. That'll put the Washington Redskins on the clock for pick number two. Yes, it would. And Sean, if you think about this, ever since we've grown up, the Washington Redskins, you know, we grew up where we were born in the early 90s. You know, this has been a pretty miserable team to watch. Minus that one year they had RG3 in his rookie year, but after he broke his leg, I mean, even before, before that and after that, they've been nothing essentially. They have to take the best player in this year's draft, and I think Chase Young out of Ohio State is the best player. Think about where the uh, the Boses, Nick and Joey, where they've been drafted over the last few years. Ohio State reps say that Young is even better than those two. So yeah, I think with the second overall selection, you got a new head coach in Ron Rivera. Why not take the best overall player in, with a defensive-minded coach who's going to make Young an absolute stud in the NFL? I agree, and Young is the most NFL-ready player in this draft. Yes. Why would they not do that? They, they, they'll they it'll make the defense strong, at least a little bit stronger, a team that's had struggles in the past on defense. And, you know, a little bit stronger D will give time for Dwayne Haskins to, you know, put a better offensive production on the field as well. Yes, yes. Pick number three, Sean. Uh, This is where I have my first trade. I have, uh, it is the Detroit Lions selection. However, they are going to trade it to the Miami Dolphins. With the third overall selection, the Dolphins take quarterback Tua Tagovailoa out of Alabama here. I think the tanking for Tua thing for Miami has been a, a real thing throughout the year. Like, I truly do believe it. I think with Detroit offering the third overall selection, it's not like Detroit has, you know, Detroit has plenty of needs. So they can draft anywhere, essentially, and find someone to fit them. But if you're here, if you're Miami, you trade up and you get your quarterback of the future. You have Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick under contract for the year. So I know there's been a lot of injury concern about Tua. My thought is you can put him on injured reserve for the whole first year. The Dolphins are going to suck no matter what next year. You might as well get some more better draft capital with those two quarterbacks. Let Tua learn you know, the playbooks and get fully healthy. In return, Detroit will get uh, pick... Numbers five from pick number five, as well as pick number 39 in this year's draft. Okay, okay. Well, I'm going to stay with the Lions taking it, and they're going to go with cornerback Jeff Akuda from Ohio State. You know, Desmond Trufant's on the decline in his career. They'll need a stronger number one in their secondary. Who's a Jim Thorpe finalist. Matt Patricia is in a win-now mode, going 9-22-1 in his two seasons as head coach in yes. Detroit, they're going to need a stronger defense. I think Jeff Akuda would be a strong fit, potentially even ready to go year one. 
No, I think that if the Lions stay there, I think Okuda's a good uh, fit. Uh, let's go to the fourth selection. That's the New York Giants. They are now on the clock, Sean. And I think they're going to take Tristan Wirfs, the offensive tackle from okay. Iowa. I know they know have a lot of defensive needs, but I just think about it. Two years ago with the number two overall selection, you took Saquon Barkley. Last year with the number six overall selection, you took your franchise starter in uh, Daniel Jones. You got Nate Soldier at left tackle. At this point, is he's not bad, but he's not a top-tier left tackle anymore. But he'll probably give you two to three years of solid middling production at that position. You don't have anyone at right tackle, essentially. So Wirfs would fit in, and I just think you have to protect. You just have to protect your you know your two last first round pick investments and by doing this the offensive line I know a lot of people think they could go defense but they got some intriguing guys like you know Blake Martinez and James Bradbury I just think they could add defense later I think they should add top to their offensive line production now see I disagree I think what they really need to do is bolster their defense a little bit more and that's why I think they're going to go with linebacker Isaiah Simmons from Clemson Honestly, New York needs a playmaker on the outside, and Simmons is a versatile per- player. He can play multiple positions, either safety, linebacker, edge, and he's got great size. 6'4", 239 pounds, and runs a, runs a sub 4 440. So with that kind of speed and that kind of size, great person to have as an edge rusher, as a linebacker, and I mean a huge safety as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they do go defense there, I definitely would think Simmons would be the best fit, even over a guy like a Derek Brown, who's a pretty good player, or Javon Kinlaw, who makes sense there too. But no, I would if they go defense, Simmons makes sense. I had, again, uh, Miami trading up from pick five, and Detroit receives pick five, and I have the same guy that you have going there, and that's Jeff Okuda, uh, the cornerback over Ohio State. That's why I had him trading up there. Because uh, I just think they could get Okuda with pick five, and why not get another second round pick out of the deal? Uh, you forget, uh, you know, they lost Darius Slade to the uh, Eagles for a third and fifth round pick this year. They need to address cornerback with Slade being gone. I think he's a really good player. And if you think about it, I think this is a pretty good comp. Uh, Denzel Ward, the cornerback of Ohio State, was drafted with the fourth overall selection just two years ago in the 2018 draft, and I think they're very very similar players. Okay, okay. Well, uh, I have the Dolphins at pick number five still. I, I don't really like to do the trades during our draft because that can get just con- too confusing. I'm going to go, that's so why I like to go in order and like to say what their best need is and what they can do at that position. So the Dolphins, obviously, they need a quarterback. And actually, as much as I would like to see Tua go to, you know, the number three pick like you had said, or even number five if this was the case, but I think the Dolphins would take a different quarterback in this case, and that'd be Justin Herbert from Oregon. Just because he's a little bit more durable right now than Tua is, a little bit more of a less of a risk, I would say, in, in, in the in the draft. He's got great size too. He's six foot six with a big arm. And the current options in Miami aren't cutting it, obviously, with Fitzpatrick and Rosen there. So with a quarterback like Her uh, like Herbert, the great production in in, uh, in in the Pac-12 for, you know, years now, for the last couple of years, I should say. And I think that that, that would probably be the, the, the smarter option for the Dolphins to go with over Tua. 
But I don't think Tua drops much more, much farther than than that. No, I I agree. I think Herbert's a safer pick for the Dolphins. I just think again the tanking for Tua. I think it's a real thing, and I think that's why they stretch up there to three. Speaking of Justin Herbert, though, I have him going to pick number six, and that's the Los Angeles uh, Chargers. They are on the clock. They'll take Herbert here. You know, if you look at Bass's four, his last four collegiate games, which I know didn't turn out super well, but if you can look past that, he was a great quarterback at Oregon. Last year completed 67% of his passes for roughly 3,500 yards, 32 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, had 95 career touchdowns versus just 23 career interceptions at Oregon, and added 13 rushing touchdowns to that. He's... You know, to me, I think he's a lot of ways the most pro style of the quarterbacks of those three. I think Burrow has the highest ceiling, but I mean, this kid is truly a pro style quarterback. I think he's going to be a great, great fit to replace uh, Philip Rivers in Los Angeles. Yep. You know, the Chargers definitely do need to replace that spot, so they'll be taking a quarterback. I think this is where Tua ends up landing in Los ah. Angeles. And you know, and only because he only dropped down to six because of his his hip injury that he had. Obviously, we don't know how he's going to jump back from that. But if teams are willing to look past the injury, he does have the potential to be one of the most dominant quarterbacks in the NFL. And with that vacant spot open, I think if Tua could be healthy, he could be ready to go. You know, ready to go for next season. He could be their starter next year. No, totally, totally. And again, you got a Tyrod Taylor right there in. Uh... In Los Angeles, too, can kind of help guide him the way, especially with, like you said, the injury concerns. Uh, pick number seven is Carolina. However, Jacksonville is going to move up two spots from nine to seven. And Jacksonville, my friend, is going to take Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker slash strong safety from Clemson. In return, Carolina will get a 2020 fourth and fifth round pick in this year's draft. I think it's a huge investment here for Jacksonville. They see that Isaiah Simmons is up there. You know that Carolina probably wants to get some more uh, draft capital, so they're willing to trade down the two spots that had two you know, mid-round picks. And you just think about this, Sean. Just think about this for one second, if this actually turned out to fruition. Could you imagine that uh, linebacking core of Isaiah Simmons, Miles Jack, and Joe Sherbert, who they just gave that huge uh, contract uh, over the offseason to? Imagine that as their linebacking core. It'd be pretty scary. It'd be pretty scary. I think that the Panthers are going to go with defensive lineman Derek Brown from Auburn. The run defense need work in Carolina, um, and with Simmons and Akuda already off the board, they'll need someone to fill the middle of the defense, especially with Carolina, who has a lot of voids to fill after losing Gerald McCoy, Don Terry Poe, Vernon Butler, and Luke Keichley in the last year. So they have a lot of positions to fill on defense. I think Derek Brown would be a good fit and ready to go. You know, year one or two would be, I think year two is when he starts to shine. He might struggle year one but definitely have a strong presence in his rookie season as well. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt, I like Derek Brown. I have him going just a little bit later. However, for this portion of the draft, with the eighth overall selection, that is the that is the Arizona Cardinals. They are on the clock, and they are going to take 
Jedrick Wills, offensive tackle, Alabama. I think this makes total sense. They gave left tackle G.J. Humphreys a three-year, $45 million contract extension in the offseason. Willis is a day-one starter at right tackle. And the, uh, Murray, Kyler Murray, who was the number one pick, if you remember, from last year's draft, Sean, was sacked 48 times. Mm-hmm. That was tied for most in the NFL. No way can... Uh, Arizona not go. I mean, again, you already have the left tackle. All you need is the right tackle, and probably Willis is the best pure right tackle in this draft. So they, it's a steal for them at pick eight. I agree. I agree. I think they will be picking an offensive lineman as well. However, I'm taking Tristan Wirth to drop down to pick number eight. I know you have him going to the Giants, but I, I agree. I think he all he also could be a day one right tackle for Kyler Murray. Who now, you know, if he can get some protection, he won't be sacked so many times. He has some weapons to throw to with, with you know, um, now having DeAndre Hopkins as well as the ageless Larry Fitzgerald, uh, in, in the uh, in the background or in the, in the background in the uh, in the, you know, downfield and everything. Honestly, yes. Tristan Wirfs, he was 2019 second team All American, Big Ten lineman of the year as well. Why would you pass up on, a, on an option like that if he wasn't already taken by the Giants? No, absolutely, exactly. It, I think if worse fall there, I think he's just as fair game. I know a lot of people have Max C.D. Lamb because, you know, the Oklahoma connection between uh, him and Murray. But I think this is such a deep class, and we'll get into a lot more of the wide receivers coming up on the next portion of this, Sean, but it's so deep that Arizona can wait on drafting a wide receiver. But anyways, let's take a quick break here. We'll get to picks 9 to 16 on the flip side of this break, and taking us out to break, as always, is Jason James with his song, Five. Sportsaholics NFL Draft Special. Coming back for picks 9 through 16 this time. Let's waste no more time and get right to it, Max. Pick number 9, I'm taking the Jaguars, taking wide receiver Jerry Judy from the University of Alabama. Jaguars need a lot of help a lot of places. They need defensive tackles, really. 
But adding, you know, another weapon for Gardner Minshew would help strengthen their offensive production. I think Jerry Judy is one of the best receivers in the draft as well. Why would they not pick him? Obviously, that would be my guess. What about yours for number nine, Mr. Zucker? Well, Mr. Conway, as I told you before, I had Carolina trading down the two spots because, again, they're getting a fourth and fifth round pick out of the deal, and they're still getting the same player who they were going to take at seven. Like you mentioned, I think it's going to be the same guy, Derek Brown, the defensive tackle from Auburn. He would look really awesome next to Kawan Short. I mean, those two up the middle would be sweet. Um, you know, and they currently have Woodrow Hamilton uh, slated as their nose tackle. He had one tackle all the way back in 2016. So, yeah, I would think defensive tackle Derek Brown would be the perfect selection. All righty, let's move on to pick number 10. That pick belongs to the Cleveland Browns, and I think they'll be taking offensive tackle Andrew Thomas from the University of Georgia. Mayfield had absolutely no time to throw last season. Thomas can be an immediate blindside starter at the tackle position. Dude, that's exactly, literally, that's exactly who I have for that exact reason. Look, they gave Jack Conklin a three-year, $42 million deal to play right tackle. They absolutely need to take a left tackle. I think over the, all the tackles, I think he's probably the most NFL-ready right now. I'm not saying his ceiling's the highest, but I think he's the most ready, and they'll be absolutely happy and ecstatic at pick time to take Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. All righty. So let's kind of breezing through this one. Pick number 11 belongs to the New York Jets. I think they also need an offensive tackle. So I think they take Jedrick Wills Jr. from Alabama here. I know you took them a little earlier in the draft, but I have him going to pick number 11. Bama averaged 7.7 yards per rush outside the right tackle in 2019. That was the third best in the country. And that would be a big help to uh, bolster the run game for Le'Veon Bell and company with the Jets. So that's why I have him going. What about you, Max? See, I absolutely can't argue with you on that because offensive line is probably the area that the Jets need the most. However, I have them taking Jerry Judy, the wide receiver from Alabama, because he's just too much of a pure talent, Sean, to miss out on. I mean, you think about what he did two years ago, 2018, 1,000. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, 1,315 yards, 19.3 was the average on his reception, 14 touchdowns, Let followed up last year with 1,163 yards, 10 touchdowns, they lost Robbie Anderson to the Panthers, they absolutely need a consistent threat for Darnold, and Judy to me is the best wide receiver in this draft from head to toe. I think you can get again some offensive linemen later. I think right now is the time to get your franchise wide receiver because they Darnold has to have more options without a doubt. Okay, okay. Pick number twelve belongs to the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh god, that's so, yeah. so weird to say. Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, honestly, they have no definitive number one at the corner position, so I think they need to grab someone. To fill that spot in secondary, I'm going to go with cornerback C.J. Henderson from the University of Florida. With no definitive number one, I think Henderson would pair well with safety Jonathan Abram. He's a ball hawk, has potential to be a real shutdown corner, kind of like a Richard Sherman type. Henderson 
has you know a lot of potential. I think he is a, a good fit there. What about you? Uh, I do think he makes sense there, and ultimately, I think Las Vegas would like to trade out of the this selection for a t- quarterback team that wants to take like a Jordan Love. But since they don't find a suitor on draft day with the twelfth overall selection, I think exactly this is so weird saying, but the Las Vegas Raiders are going to take the next best wide receiver in this draft, and that's Oklahoma wide receiver C. D. Lamb, my favorite name and favorite character, Sean, coming out of this draft. I loved watching C.D. Lamb at Oklahoma. This kid's a true monster. Last year had 62 catches for 1,327 yards, 14 touchdowns. He averaged 21.4 yards a catch. That was third best in all of the FBS last year. This kid is absolutely a stud. And whether if it's going to be Marcus Mariota or Derek Carr throwing the ball, they need a number one option. And C.D. Lamb is going to make uh, make uh, Mr. Gruden pretty damn happy down in Vegas. All righty. So pick number 13 belongs to the 49ers. So I'm putting them on the clock there. I have them looking for a wide receiver to replace Emmanuel Sanders, who left the team to free agency. And I'm going with another Alabama wide receiver, Henry Ruggs III. He's one of the fastest receivers in the draft. And honestly, I, I would I would probably put him a little bit higher than CeeDee Lamb in ranking of wide receivers in this draft. In terms of separation, I don't think there's one wide receiver who's better than Henry Ruggs. In terms of when he gets the ball and is able to separate from the rest, this kid is by far the most explosive and I think would be a great fit with San Francisco. Again, another team like uh, Las Vegas who would probably love to trade down here to a team that's looking for a Jordan Love, a Jacob Eason, uh, you know, so, you know, the next quarterback. But, again, they unfortunately do not find that trade partner here, at least. Um, and they will take Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle from uh, South Carolina. I think this is a great fit here. You traded the 13th overall pick away to – or you got the 13th overall pick because you traded DeForest Buckner to the Colts. Essentially, Kinlaw is like a young Buckner. Obviously, Buckner now getting paid $21 million annually with the Colts. Kinlaw would come in with his rookie deal and, again, just be an absolute monster up front. So I think that's this is a kind of a safe bet here if you're, really, if you're looking to replace that uh, – you know, level on the defensive line. All righty. Moving on to pick number 14. That belongs to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They won't be drafting a quarterback here because they have their quarterback for the next, you know, 10 years with Tom Brady, <laughs> who doesn't age. Uh, so, so, uh, but they'll need some protection for old man, uh, father time there with, Offensive tackle Makai Becton from Louisville. I think this kid is an absolute monster. Six foot seven, three hundred sixty-four pounds, and he's pretty quick. Five point one forty. So he's you know he's a big guy who can kind of move downfield real quick as well. Great protection for Brady and company. I think that uh, an offensive tackle would be a great selection for Tampa Bay this year. Well, they're going to need to do that. However, um, I think they'll grab one later in the draft because they're going to trade down, Sean. uh, And trading up from the 21st spot will be the Philadelphia Eagles. And this is where I see your boy Henry Ruggs III going. Look, they have an 
Elshon Jeffrey, who's old and injured. Same with Deshaun Jackson, who's really old and injured. Sean, their number three wide receiver on their depth chart currently is Greg Ward Jr., who played quarterback in college and, you know, is trying to, you know, get into the wide receiver game. Like like a couple guys, if you remember, like Terrell Pryor did so a couple of years ago. He's kind of the same type of guy. We just don't know what his level's ever going to be, though, at wide receiver. You can't predict that today. So they have to get a, a threat for Carson Wentz. And doing so, they are going to have to, again, forfeit the 21st as well as the 53rd overall selection. So their second round pick in this draft. But they have to get uh, a threat uh, going forward. Again, you just can't survive with what you have. I agree. I agree. So moving on, pick number 15, that belongs to the Denver Broncos. I think they'll they'll need to get someone to add to their secondary, uh, especially with Chris Harris now no longer with the team. So I think they take cornerback Trevon Diggs from Alabama. He's got great ball skills. Like I said, he'll fill that void from Harris being gone. He's got good size, aggressive play style. I think he's a great fit there. No, I do too. I think Diggs would be actually a better fit than the guy that I'm that I'm predicting though. Again, this is just our max and predictions. I think this is where C.J. Henderson goes. Again, they traded away A.J. Boye. Uh, Bryce Callahan has been injured, and to be honest with you, he's like a he's a solid cornerback three because he can play coverage, he can play slot, he can play you know in nickel. I mean, he can do a lot of different. Uh, things, but I think you need another true cornerback here. I think he's a little bit overrated, C.J. Henderson, but if you think about Fangio, he's a great defensive mining coach, and I think he's going to be able to make do with a player with this type of upside, at least. Okay, so moving on to our final pick for this block, pick number 16, and we're actually maybe halfway through the, the draft yes. at this point then. That belongs to the Atlanta Falcons. I think they'll be taking... The second best edge rusher in the draft, that's Caleb Von Chason from LSU. Dante Fowler would be a good person to kind of mentor and groom him into a second-year starter, I believe. Hey, me and you are thinking very like-minded on this. I also have uh, Caleb Von going here. Look, they brought in Dante Fowler Jr., Dan Quinn needs another pass rusher without a doubt for Atlanta to have any success going forward in that division that features still Drew Brees. So uh, I do. I you know with sixty tackles and six and a half sacks, I think Levan's a great fit with the Falcons going forward. And I, I got a feeling Atlanta's happy they didn't even have to trade up to get a pass rusher here. They you know they just netted one at pick sixteen. Um, Sean, let's like you said, let's take a quick break here. On the flip side of this break, we'll get into our pick seventeen to twenty-four, right here on the Sportsaholic podcast with Max Zucker and Sean Conway. Thinking of adding a pet to your family? Going to your local shelter may just be the answer. The ASPCA and your local Humane Society Animal Shelter remind you there are millions of young and adult animals in shelters across the country just waiting for a good home like yours. For more information about adoptions or pet care, contact your local Humane Society Animal Shelter. Adopt. Don't shop. 
Welcome back to the Sportsaholic Podcast again, Sean, a very special Mac Draft edition here of the 2020 Draft. We have already broken down the first half of the draft, the first 16 picks of the first round. We now have picks 17 to 24, and let's start off with pick 17, that's Dallas. Dallas, they lost out on C.J. Henderson. Obviously, they would love to have drafted um, a cornerback in this situation, but they're going to take Xavier McKinney, the safety from Alabama. This kid can play both free safety and strong safety, which gives Dallas kind of different options on how to use him. And, I mean, he's effective in both roles. Think about it, Sean. The guy had 95 tackles last year, three interceptions, and four forced fumbles. He did that all, again, from playing both uh, safety positions, which, again, gives Dallas the more options on how to utilize a kid like this. And after losing again out on C.J. Henderson, I just I think it's a great, great fit for uh, the Cowboys. Exactly. The Cowboys, they need to focus their, their draft on this. Defensive line, defensive secondary, and possibly a slot receiver. I do also have McKinney going to the Cowboys as well. He's got a nose for the ball, can play downhill. You were mentioning he can play both strong safety and free safety. I think he can also even maybe convert to cornerback. So that'd be a strong pick for the Cowboys. Let's move on to pick number 18. That belongs to the Miami Dolphins. For me, I have them going with defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw from the University of South Carolina. They honestly had the worst defense in 2019. Have helped a little bit in free agency this offseason. But there still needs uh, more issues that need to be addressed. I think a nose tackle type that could play strong in a 3-4 uh, type defense would be a a, a a strong pick for them. That's why Javon Kinlaw would be a good pick. What about you, Max? Who's going number 18? Well, I, I, I like the pick if he would fall that far. I think with the defensive-minded coach like a Brian Flores, that if Kinlaw was to far that fall... Uh, I I would think they would take him, but I have Mackay Becton, sir, uh, the offensive tackle from Louisville. Uh, look, I mean, you took Tua with pick number three, now protect him at pick 18. It's that simple. You don't, you know what I mean? You traded this pick away essentially for Laramie Tunsil, who was a good starting left tackle. I think Mackay Becton's a kid who probably needs a full season or two of seasoning. But again, if you're going to roll with Ryan Fitzpatrick probably for this first year while you have to, uh, you know, sit out, learn the playbook, and get full, you know, uh, full medical clearance, you know, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick could give some knowledge, you know, to a young left tackle like a Becton. By the time two is ready, you know, at least you'll have your quarterback and left tackle problem solved, which is important. Pick 19, Sean, again, it does. It seems very weird to say Las Vegas. Um yeah, Las Vegas Raiders. Not not going to be used to that until after probably next year. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Uh, Patrick Queen, though, uh, the linebacker from LSU, I think would make Rudin very happy. Kid had 85 tackles, three sacks, and an interception last year. Uh, you know, again, like you said, the Raiders have some holes. Linebacker's one of them. I think this would be, you know, again, if they, if they can't trade down again, because I think they'd like to add... They don't have a second-round pick, and I believe they only have a couple other picks throughout the draft, so I know they'd like to add a little more capital and trade down. But if they can't, they at least added two really uh, solid players here in the first round. What did you see? 
For number 19, I have the Raiders taking wide receiver Justin Jefferson from LSU. They haven't really replaced that void from, uh, you know, trading away Amari Cooper. And I know they tried with Antonio Brown, but that didn't pan out so great. So they still need to fill that hole. I think Justin Jefferson would be a great fit. He was one of the key pieces to Joe Burrow's success this last year. 111 receptions for 1,540 yards with 18 touchdown receptions. So almost a third of Burrow's touchdown passes went to Justin Jefferson. Wow. Great fit there. I think that he would be a great weapon for either Derek Carr or Marcus Mariota to throw to. Yeah, exactly. If they don't take C.D. Lamb, uh, you know, maybe they do go defense first like you were thinking, then yeah, I would think a guy like Jefferson would be a great uh, fit there. Pick number 20, Sean, I have another trade here. I have Minnesota coming up from pick. Now, Minnesota has two picks in the first round. They have pick 22 and pick 25. However, I think they'll surrender their... Uh, 25th overall selection as well as a third round uh, pick and a seventh round pick in this year's draft to move up the five spots with Jacksonville who owns the pick and with the 20th overall pick selection Minnesota will take wide receiver Justin Jefferson exactly uh, I don't think Minnesota is going to want to play games here they need to upgrade wide receiver after losing uh, you know Steph Diggs uh you know he's gone now. Um, you got to get a wide receiver. You got to get another playmaker for Kirk Cousins. And like you were saying right before, the fifteen hundred forty yards he had, Sean, that was uh, third best in the FCS. You mentioned he had eighteen touchdowns. Well, that was second best in the FCS last year. So this is a great move up here for uh, Minnesota. A great opportunity for them to trade up and select a you know great great. Uh, you know, receiver, and again, Jacksonville getting at a little more draft capital here after they traded up themselves and lost a fourth and fifth round. Now you're going to get a third and seventh round pick, and that's you know kind of the you know pretty equivalent if you if you come and look at it all around. All right. Well, if uh, if the Jaguars don't get rid of their their number twenty pick, I think they'll take a safety here in Grant Delpit from Louisiana State University. <laughs> that sounds weird to say too instead of just LSU. He was a three-year starter, so he's already bringing some experience and skill that could be easily translated to the NFL. And, you know, he could be, you know, add some more, you know, security, I would say, for for Minshew and company when the offense retakes the field. If they have a little bit more strength on defense, it makes it easier for the offense to get back out there. No, absolutely. Um with the 21st overall selection, that was the Eagles pick, but I had the Eagles going up to pick 14. And now Tampa Bay is on the clock with the 21st uh, overall selection, the 2020 draft. And I do, I, you know, after passing on Mackay Becton, I think they're going to take offensive tackle from Houston, Josh Jones. He's got some raw talent, but you think about it, you got Tom Brady, and he gets the best of out of his... Uh, you know, out of his players, essentially, especially his offensive lineman. The kid was a left tackle at Houston. I think he'll swing right into right tackle. Don't forget uh, 
The Bucks gave a three-year, $42 million deal to left tackle Donovan Smith. But again, adding one more piece of pass protection for a 43-year-old Tom Brady, to me, just makes all the sense in the world. I think in round two, you have two second-round picks. I think there is where you can find a wide receiver and a running back if you're Tampa Bay. So get Jones to protect Brady and look for those wide receivers and running backs uh, later in the draft. Alrighty, well, 21 does belong to the Eagles, and I agree with you, they do need to find another receiver because Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey are both aging and always injured, so they do need to find someone who would strengthen that wide receiver core. I believe they're going to take T. Higgins from Clemson. 2019 alone, he had 59 receptions, and of those, 22 of them went for 20 or more yards, Wow! so that would just bring, you know, moving the ball down the field a lot more for a team that struggled in the past game. A lot of the, the teams, you know, even when they weren't injured, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson kind of had, had uh, you know, issues with, you know, hitting the ball, hitting their hands and not making the receptions. So we need to find someone who can get the ball downfield for them. T. Higgins could be a good fit for that. Totally. Uh, I absolutely think that's a great selection there. Um, with the 22 overall selection, Sean, I mentioned Minnesota is going to keep this pick. Uh, in that Jacksonville trade, they're going to keep this pick and they're going to take a uh, cornerback from LSU, Christian Fulton. I mean, this guy is a really good player. And if you think about it, Minnesota, they lost both of their cornerbacks in Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Waynes. Uh, they both signed as free agents with the Cincinnati Bengals. They absolutely, again, need to upgrade cornerback here. And I think Fulton is a pretty, pretty solid uh uh, selection if you're Minnesota. I don't think you can go wrong with adding, again, Justin Jefferson and uh, uh, Fulton, both guys from LSU. I think it'd be pretty fun to have that uh, that uh, duo, that Tiger duo on, on the uh, Minnesota squad. See, I, I think this is where the Vikings will be taking their wide receiver. It is obvious they do need a receiver after getting rid of Stephon Diggs. So this is where they'll take a receiver and I think they'll a good fit would be wide receiver Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State the man averaged 18.3 yards a catch in 2019 and also he's also offers services on special teams where he averaged 31.8 yards per kickoff return so Brandon Ayuk good fit for both the receiving and special teams in Minnesota I don't know why we'd pass up on him I think there's some better wide receivers. I would think actually there, I would think like a guy like a Denzel Mims from Baylor would fit more of what Kirk Cousins' schemes would be than an Ayuk. But like you said, in terms of a pure speed wide receiver, Ayuk is totally, totally the man. Um, either way, exactly, Minnesota's going to upgrade wide receiver probably in the first round. Pick 23, that's New England's selection. Sean, this one I, I struggled with the most. I really don't know because knowing Bill Belichick, he probably wants to trade out of the selection they don't have uh i don't i don't they don't have a tons of draft or they have some uh draft capital there but you know i know new england they always like to trade back as much as possible but i have them taking here this is again the hardest thing i've had to do here and they're gonna take cole Komet, tight end from notre dame He's the most complete tight end on the board. I know it's not like some exciting pick, but 
you think since they've lost Rob Gronkowski, they really haven't been able to kind of find that replacement. They don't have a pick in the second round. They do have three third-round picks, but after that, it's a bunch of sixth and seventh-round picks, essentially. So, um, without having that second-round pick, I don't think they gamble here. I think they overdraft. I think in this case, instead of trading it away, which is what they normally do here, I think they'll overdraft, and I think they're going to take purely by position. Tight end is what they're targeting in the draft this year, and Komet is the most well-rounded of all the tight end prospects. So it's an interesting selection here. It's a little bit of a gutsy prediction. But, yes, I have Komet going 23rd to New England. What about you? I think that the Patriots are going to need to find a quarterback to obviously they don't have Tom Brady anymore, but they're gonna need a quarterback to be a good backup to groom in there in New England. And I think Jordan Love from Utah State would be an absolute perfect fit up there under Bill Belichick's system. Uh, they need a quarterback to be able to elevate the play of the entire offense, and that's what Love did for Utah State. He's got good size, he's got a good arm, athletic, and honestly. That'd be a good fit, in my opinion. Uh, I see. That was one of the guys I really argued with here with myself. I just, for whatever reason, don't think his play style is what Belichick necessarily seeks in a quarterback. I think the Patriots should draft Jordan Love with the with that pick, and that's what I struggled with. But for whatever reason, I just don't think Belichick is in love, so that's why they won't draft him there. However, with the twenty fourth overall pick. The Saints are on the clock, and Sean, I do think they're going to take Jordan Love hair. They waited so long, they did not trade up. They didn't use any draft capital. They were patient. They were patient people with such a loaded draft and people trading up for offensive tackles and wide receivers and all this other stuff. The Saints are patient. They are patient, and they take the air to Drew Brees, who again signed that two-year $50 million deal, but essentially could walk out with the year. You think about it, even if Brees sticks around for the full two years, I think it's going to take two years before uh, Jordan Love becomes, you know, again, he's been compared to Patrick Mahomes, Sean, and... Anytime you can try to get a Patrick Mahomes-esque quarterback, I think you do. And again, if you're the Saints at 24, you are just loving, just loving the fact that you were patient all day and you got the apparent heir to Drew Brees. All right. And I actually think that the Saints will be adding some depth to their backfield drafting. Running back J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State, he eclipsed over 2,000 yards on the ground last year and he was the Big Ten running back of the year. I think it would be a perfect fit to help the run game in New Orleans if they can now, you know, find a fit for him somewhere in the, you know, in the in the depth chart. Honestly, I think that that was pretty, you know, strong picks there for picks 17 through 24. We're gonna take a quick break here on the Sports Hogs podcast. Coming back for the last eight picks, 25 through 32, coming at you right after this. Hey, it's Max again, and I work with autistic children as part of my job. Do you know the early signs of autism in children? They can include lack of speech, lack of eye contact, and sensory sensitivity. You know your child best, and recognizing the signs of autism is an important first step. Early screening can make a lifetime of difference for both children and parents. You can learn more at ScreenForAutism.org. That's ScreenForAutism.org. 
And we're back for the final eight picks of the 2020 Sportsaholics Mock NFL Draft. Starting off with pick number 25. Max, I have the Vikings taking cornerback Christian Fulton from LSU. The Vikings have no depth in their sec secondary and expect at least a couple of picks to fill those spots in this draft. I think Christian Fulton would be a great choice to fill that void there, like you had mentioned earlier in the draft. But Fulton going there, pick 25. What about yourself, Max? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that we both, again, like-minded on Fulton there. Uh, I do think another cornerback is going to come off at pick 25. I mentioned that uh, the Vikings obviously trade up from 25 to 20 with Jacksonville. Jacksonville now back on the clock with the 25th overall selection. I think they're going to take your Bama boy, Trayvon Diggs here. He's a great cornerback. He had 37 tackles, three interceptions. And, Sean, this is a really interesting statistic about Diggs, which is almost the reason why I wanted to throw him higher in the draft. Um, he, uh, minimum, you know, 50 pass attempts against him, only allowed 32.3% of completions, meaning that's less than a third of the time where receivers completing against Diggs all year. That's second best in the FBS. Again, minimum 50 attempts. Uh, I think that's a pretty cool uh, statistic there, and that's why I have Diggs going to the Jags at 25. All righty. Moving on to pick number 26. That belongs to the Miami Dolphins, and I have them taking a safety. That'd be Antoine Winfield Jr. I think he's going to follow in the footsteps of his father, who uh, Antoine Winfield Sr., who's also a first-rounder. I think he'll squeak into the first round here. He's a ball hawk, had seven interceptions in 2019. He's kind of a Swiss Army, Army knife, too. He can play cornerback or safety, really, which is something a lot of teams have been looking for in uh, in, in players who play in the secondary and on defense. So I think that the Dolphins take Winfield Jr. here. Max, what about you? Pick 26. I think that's a little high for uh, Winfield. I do think he's a really good player, but I think that's a little bit high for him there. Um, I think this is where uh, J.K. Dobbins go. You had him at pick 24. The Saints, I got him going to pick 26 at uh, Miami. Again, Miami on the clock three times today. They take two in my mock draft with the third overall pick after trading up with Detroit and then taking Mekhi Becton with the 18th overall selection. So you get your quarterback of the future. You get your left tackle of the future. Why not get your running back of the future? Like you mentioned, Sean, the kid had over 2,000 yards last year rushing. 21 rushing touchdowns. Um, this kid's a monster. I mean, this kid is truly, truly Truly is a monster at running back. He had a great career at Ohio State. And again, if you're Miami, you've just completely reshuffled your offense by adding quarterback, left tackle, and running back. It's a completely reshuffled offense, which is the exact direction the uh, that that organization organization needs to go. All right, twenty-seven. That belongs to Seattle. A lot of options for Seattle. I know they need to bolster their secondary yeah. on defense as well. But I think they're going to strengthen their line with a center guard type in Caesar Ruiz from Michigan. Seattle wants to be a run-first team, so bolstering that line would be great. He played two seasons at center, but he's also athletic enough to play guard. That's why I think they pick Ruiz here. 
at 27. I don't hate the pick. Uh, they definitely need more offense alignment as you get later in the draft. Exactly the center type, a good run blocker. Uh, it absolutely makes sense there. Like you said, there's just a couple other needs, but you know, I think about it. They didn't bring back JD on Clowney. I know he's still technically a free agent, but I don't think Seattle's going to have the uh, cash essentially, you know, the desired cash that Clowney's looking for. Meaning they absolutely, with their first selection in my mind, have to take a pass rusher again if you're not going to have Clowney, which is why they're going to take AJ. Epinesa, the edge rusher from Iowa. Uh, he had 10.5 sacks two years ago in 2018. And last year, 49 tackles, 11.5 sacks, four forced fumbles. Pete Carroll's happy he didn't have to trade up for a pass rusher here, Sean. Um, you know, exactly. A lot of, lot of different spots, but I just think Epinesa would be a nice fit with, uh, with Seattle. All righty. And in the 28th pick... I have the Ravens taking running back Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. I mean, the guy's been Ooh. a perennial Heisman candidate all three years of his of his uh, of his football career. I mean, he averaged just under twelve yards in his in his freshman year in college, and finished off with just over two thousand yards this last year. Twenty one touchdowns on the ground, and uh, honestly, he's. He's just a beast, and can you imagine having Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, and Jonathan Taylor? That'd be the most dominant run game in the league. I mean, it already is the most uh, dominant run game in the league, it seems like, last mm -hmm. year. I mean, if you added Taylor with this particular pick, then yeah, Sean, I mean, you're talking about an astronomical run attack. Something that, you know, again, we you know we may not have seen since, you know, before our grandpa's day when it was, you know, all essentially running before they came up with, you know, the new sexy passing schemes. Um, but yeah, that'd be true ground force, though. You're right. Uh but I think they're going to go opposite here. I think they got a couple holes on defense. I think Kenneth Murray, the Oklahoma linebacker, would be a great fit for Baltimore. He had 77 tackles as a freshman, 155 as a sophomore with four and a half sacks. Last year, four sacks, 102 tackles. This kid's a tackling machine. He's this year's version of Roquan Smith. And I just think at pick 28, it's an absolute steal for um uh for for the ravens i do all right well moving on pick number 29 i have the titans selecting linebacker edge rusher type zach bond from wisconsin as an edge rusher edge rusher he's definitely a difference making player on the field you know he's slightly undersized but he is also very athletic and you know, has a very serious upside to, you know, how much he brings to the table if you could look past the, the size factor in his draftability there. See, I look at a lot of things with Zach Bond. I don't think he's a bad player, but again, I think he's another player that's, I, I think you're taking a little bit too high here. I know a lot of experts and, and analysts throughout the country have him as a first-round pick. I honestly see him as more of a third-round uh, potential. He really had a breakout year. It was last year. Prior to that, he was, I think he had two and a half total sacks. I know he had 12 and a half last year, but... 
He was kind of a one-hit wonder breakout player. Was nothing special before, you know, before last year. I think that's a lot to uh, account on for a first-round pick. That's why I have him personally sliding down. Uh, with the 29th selection, though, Tennessee, they are going to take a pass rusher who's a little bit more, I guess, mature in his development, in my opinion. That's Yatir Gross Matos, the edge rusher from, again, Penn State. Um, you know, again, the best of the class is probably taken at this point. He had eight sacks in 2018, and last year he had nine and a half sacks. They took Jeffrey Simmons last year with their first-round pick, and I just think to have two young pass rushers like a Simmons and a Gross Matos, that's one way uh, Tennessee could go in this year's draft. All righty. Um, now we're going to pick number 30. That belongs to the Stinky Cheese Green Bay Packers, they will be taking a wide receiver, I think, here. And I think it will be the last wide receiver in the first round. And I'm going to go with Jalen Rager from TCU. He's also one of the stronger wide receivers in this draft class. Had 43 receptions for 611 yards and five touchdowns last year. I think that would be a great fit for Aaron Rodgers, who, you know, has struggled to have some weapons the past two the last couple of years, I think having a, a another a new receiver come in, someone he can groom to be how he likes would be an ideal spot right now for the Packers. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I looked at Rager too. I think Jalen Rager is a very talented wide receiver. However, at this point, Green Bay has been so patient. Again, another team that doesn't trade up. They stay at their spot. And I actually have, again, T. Higgins falling all the way to the 30th selection for whatever reason. I think he's way more talented than the 30th selection. I think he's probably one of the most talented wide receivers in this draft. But, again, it's a wide receiver heavy draft. We made this point before on the, on this podcast. It's so wide receiver heavy. That's why I think he drops to 30. And, again, the Packers are so relieved that they get a guy who had – 1,167 yards receiving with 13 receiving touchdowns. Averaged just under uh, 20 yards per reception. Had a great year last year. I mean, he's got 25 total receiving touchdowns, Sean, between the past two seasons. They have Devontae Adams, and like you said, beyond that, their wide receiver Jeff chart isn't that good. You, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're getting up there in age. You can't rely on, you know, Geronimo Allison's to – you know, to be, you know, consistent players, you need to go and get a top-tier wide receiver. The fact that Higgins is there at 30, again, the Packers are just ecstatic, smiles all around, uh, virtual smiles, I should say, all around their organization. All right, moving on to 31, the defending NFC champions, the 49ers taking a cornerback, I believe, here. And I'll tell you why, with Richard Sherman aging, Along with that, three of their four cornerbacks are set to be unrestricted free agents next year. I think that A.J. Terrell from Clemson would be a great fit. He's long, he's athletic, be a good corner for them to address that uh, that need when those corners leave for free agency. I, I don't have that. And originally I had uh, San Francisco taking Jeff Gladney, the, T- the cornerback from TCU. However, I scratched that thought. I think this is going to be my final trade of the first round. San Fran really does want to trade down. They couldn't do so at pick 13, which I think is almost a good thing that they didn't trade down because they got Javon Kinlaw, who's going to help again bolster that uh, front four. So San Francisco, though, looking to get a little bit more ammo and 
this year's draft as well as next year's draft. Trade down with the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts will surrender uh, the number 44 overall selection in this year's draft. The 193rd overall selection, which is a six-round pick in this year's draft, as well as a 2021 second-round pick in order to acquire that 31st pick. And with that 31st pick, I think the Colts select Jacob Eason, quarterback from Washington. They don't have a quarterback on their roster uh, after this season. Phillip Rivers is probably going to retire. And Jacoby Brissett, again, he signed a two-year $30 million deal. His contract is you know, essentially going to be done at the end of the year. So going long-term with quarterback, I think you get essentially maybe the best Pure arm in this draft. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying pure talent at quarterback. But if you're looking at Sean from just an arm perspective, just an arm strength perspective, Eason has the strongest arm of anyone in this class. And then again, I think he could, he's the type of kid who's going to need to sit and learn. What better than probably future Hall of Famer and Phillip Rivers to sit and learn under for a year before the Colts, you know, turn the keys and, you know, you're the center of the franchise. All right, moving on to the final pick of the first round of the NFL draft for the Sports Hawks mock draft this year. We have the Chiefs, and I think they'll take running back DeAndre Swift from Georgia. They already have a very stacked offense, but, you know, Swift is a strong run-pass threat, and, you know, he could be able to compete with Damian Williams right away as, a, as, a, as the starting running back for them. Hey, guess what? To round out the Sportsaholic Mac draft, uh, the first 32 picks, me and you are uh, exactly head-to-head on this one. I think it's also going to be DeAndre Swift. I mean, Damian Williams is currently your number one running back. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think Williams is a nice running back, too. I really do. I think Williams is a great running back, too. If I if we could have Damian Williams in our backfield as a running back, too, I'd love to have him. But you need a running back one. You just won the Super Bowl. You could do a couple different things here, but I go, why not invest in running back? Swift, he's just a total beast. 1,049 yards rushing with 10 rushing touchdowns last uh, two years ago. And last year he had over 1,200 yards rushing, over six yards of carry, and seven touchdowns. I mean, this kid's a beast. I mean, again, what a great way to, uh, you know, for Kansas City to wrap up the first round of the draft in our in our max selection shot. Yeah, it was a great selection. I like all these picks. I'm interested to see how we can compare at the end of the week. I know they're doing their virtual mock draft today, like we did our virtual mock draft, but we're going to do they're going to have their their virtual draft Thursday. On Friday, we're going to break that down, compare our picks to the actual ones, see where they lie, and kind of analyze what the picks actually were. Any head scratchers? Any uh, you know ones that we weren't really expecting? Maybe some better fits that we did that we didn't see. Yeah, no, that sounds like a lot of fun, Sean. Again, next week we will do that. We'll kind of break down, or on Friday, we'll kind of break down what happened Thursday night, all the processes behind that. It will be fun to uh, go over with that. But for right now, let's take a quick break here on the Sportsaholic Podcast. On the flip side of this break, I'll have my weekly trivia question. Wink, wink, it might be something NFL draft related. And Sean will have his... uh, 
Drink of the week, as always. Looking forward to it right here on the Sportsaholic Podcast with Max Zucker and Sean Conway. There are a few things Max or I like more than tossing back a few beers and watching the game. But don't worry, if you happen to miss the game, we've got your back. Tune into the Sportsaholic Podcast with myself, Max Zucker, alongside Sean Conway, with new episodes available weekly on SoundCloud. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with new shows and our occasional takes on things happening in the sports world throughout the week. And welcome back to the final lap of this week's special edition of the Sportsaholic Podcast. Sean, we just nailed it down. Our mock draft, our selections, taking it with some trades, taking it with some continuity. But we're done. Picks 1 through 32, all set in the books. And now we come back for a little trivia. And I thought this was an interesting trivia question. This is according to Sporacle.com is where I got this one from. So thank you, Sporacle.com. It says, since 1980, since 1980, these six schools have provided at least 40 first-round picks. So can you name me those six teams, college teams, that have provided at least 40 first-round picks since 1980? These are all football picks, no basketball, baseball, hockey. This is... Football only. So think about your top football schools. And again, 1980 to 2019 to last year's draft. These schools, these six schools have produced at least 40 first round picks. The numbers are from 42 to 52 picks. Oh, okay. Let's see. I'm going to go with Alabama on that one, obviously. Alabama has 45. So, yes. All righty. Um... Let's go Ohio State. Ohio State has 50. Okay. Cool. Uh, Clemson. Uh, Clemson is not on this list. Clemson actually only has oh. 26. But you think about it, they really weren't that relevant. I mean, I'm not saying that, but they really have been more relevant this last decade than anything. So that's where they that's would fair. get most of those first-round picks, not in the late, late 80s, early 90s. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, Miami. Oh, yeah, come on, that's number one on the list with 52 picks. I mean, Miami, if you think about it, they haven't had a lot of first-round picks recently, but when you think about the 80s, the 90s, and the early parts of the 2000s, all you think about is the U and how many draft picks they came up with. So, yes, very good. you got Ohio State, Miami, and Alabama so far on this list. Three more schools, Sean Conway. Uh, Florida. Florida, nice, uh, with 43 Try the um, try the other school in the state. Florida State. Yes, Florida State also on this list with fifty two or with forty two. So you got both Florida schools. You got one more school, Sean. They got fifty. They've produced fifty draft picks since nineteen eighty. First round draft picks. Uh, that'd be USC. Yeah, nice. You nailed that list. Good job, sir. With fifty USC, another big football program again since nineteen eighty. Miami, Ohio State, USC, Alabama, the University of Florida, as well as Florida State have all produced 40-plus first-round picks. That's pretty cool. Falling next on that list outside the top 40 would be Tennessee at 36. Sean, what are you drinking on this week, sir? Well, I figured if we're having a draft show, I need to have a draft when I'm... Uh, yeah, yeah, so that's I'm the spirit. I've had it on the show a couple times before, but... Never can have enough Guinness drafts. I've no. had it in my fridge for a while anyway. 
since I've uh, just been bouncing around what kind of beers I wanted anyway, but decided on a Guinness draft for the show, and it's always nice. It's uh, pretty much the, the, the typical go-to stout when you think about Guinness, and it's, uh, it's a dry stout, pretty low ABV for a stout, 4.2%, and it's brewed in Dublin, Ireland at St. James Gate, and uh, honestly, it's... It's the, the the pinnacle stout, I would I would call it. Yeah, I would say so as well. I love a Guinness. You know me. I enjoy a good Guinness stout or a good yeah, exactly. I'm glad you got the draft in you right now for the draft show. That's a great thing, Sean Conway. Uh, let's look forward to what we missed this week. Uh, obviously, we didn't cover any other sports, and we probably won't be covering a lot of sports either on Friday. It's just going to be more coverage and recap from the first round and really assessing our selections. So, and again, there are lots going around anyway, Sean, with the coronavirus. You know, hopefully Major League Baseball will be getting back sooner than later, but we don't have any news on that. But one thing that happened in Major League Baseball this past week was Jackie Robinson Day. I know today is April 20th and Jackie Robinson Day was a full five days ago, but being such a fan that I am of Robinson and what he means to baseball, I have to bring it up. Uh, players celebrated on Twitter, and there was a huge thing on MLB.com about Robinson. I mean, pretty much all that whole day was dedicated to Robinson, as it should be. That was the 73rd uh, anniversary of him breaking the color barrier in Major League Baseball. Such an important date in uh, baseball history as well as in American history in my, uh, in, you know, in my uh, due honest opinion. So happy belated Jackie Robinson Day to our fans and listeners of the podcast. Uh, Sean, what else should we miss on this week? Well, yesterday was the beginning of the first two parts, I should say, of the 10-part documentary Following the Last Dance, which is the final year of the the Bulls dynasty with Phil Jackson and all all of the uh, the the heroes that we had growing up. Yes, and they, they named it the Last Dance after what Michael what uh what Phil Jackson referred to the 1997-1998 season. He said this is going to be the last time when the Bulls announced they were going to be moving on from Phil Jackson at the end of the year. Man, so I, yeah, it, it chronicles that and kind of chronicles Michael's entire career and the first two episodes were last night on espn the next the three and four will be the following sunday and every sunday until they have all five parts or all 10 parts i should say done it was really cool to see learn some things i didn't know about uh about the bulls dynasty throughout the years we were so young when that actually happened that a lot of the stuff kind of went over our heads yes it's kind of cool to see a lot of the stuff that happened no, exactly. I mean, we were still toddlers for the most part of when it happened. I mean, when they won their last championship, you know, I think I, I just turned six. So I do remember it vaguely. I remember my my uncle and my father crying because, you know, that was the end of the Jordan and, uh, you know, and the rest of that team. I mean, that that's who they love too. But watching my dad and grandpa cry when those two left, I always will remember the day they let go of Phil Jackson and how angry <laughs> my father and uncle were. I did not get to see any of that series. I will catch it all. I don't have... Uh, cable, so I don't get ESPN right now currently. So I will catch it all. It will come out on Netflix at some point. Um, 
So when it does, obviously, I got my Netflix app and we'll be I will watch the whole documentary from there. But if not, hey, that's something fun, Sean, for you to do on Sundays. Last piece of uh, information that we forgot to mention before we close off on this show. Hank Steinbrenner passed away at the age of 63. He is the son of former uh, legend George Steinbrenner and also the brother of uh, Hal Steinbrenner, who pretty much runs the uh, day-to-day essentials for uh, the Yankees. So, uh, you know, best you know, best thoughts and wishes here for the Steinbrenner family and the New York Yankees as they are, you know, going through this loss. Sean, anything else before uh, we close this up? All we have to look forward to is the first round of the NFL draft, which is Thursday, and the following rounds will go throughout the weekend as well. Friday morning, we will analyze and break down the actual picks, comparing them to our picks as well. I'm excited to see how they compare. I know in the past, this is our fourth show that we've done a, a mock NFL draft, Max, and we've been pretty accurate, at least on two of them. I think the, the first or second one we did we were like 90% accurate. So I'm pretty excited to see how it, this turns out and see how close we actually got this year. Yeah, without a doubt, Sean, I think I think that's a great way to end this up. And hey, honestly, buddy, this was a way more fun podcast that we've had, you know, because it's actually we get to talk about sports and like things. Like the NFL draft is something happening. It seemed like the last five weeks prior to this, it's only been coronavirus updates. And it's like, oh my God, just another tragic thing. But it's like, wow. I'd say this was a great show, Sean. I thought we had a lot of fun doing it. It's always fun to mock the draft. Like you said, we hit that close to 90% that one time. I swear to God, we really did only miss maybe four or five picks. I mean, it was pick after pick. We were nailing them. Uh, but without a doubt, we will reassess here. It is Monday, but on Friday, we will reassess the situation for that first round. We'll get all into it. We cannot wait. It'll be another little, you know, I guess, draft special in some ways. Uh, you know, maybe we'll do a little preview of what the rest of the draft might look like, uh, you know, rounds two through seven after we recap that first round. But until then, I'm Max Zucker signing off for Sean Conway. Thanks again for listening to this very special edition of the Sportsaholic uh, podcast. Uh, uh, NFL draft edition and real quick again thanks to Jason James for providing the music as always until next week you've been listening to the Sports All Podcast.